This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. germs and whatever else has found their way here uh you are not in the wrong place i am not sophie um i am hannah and i am taking the lead this week um i am joined this week by my douchebag of a sister sophie (laughs) thank you happy to be here happy to hand over the reins and you're doing a great job um, and we have another guest this week who I am friendly with, but not friendly enough to <laughs> use some kind of I mean, horrific it's okay. term for. I was going to say, you can totally call me a douchebag too. I'm, I'm okay with it. <laughs> How about I'll call you a, a magnificent douchebag. Oh, thank you. So that voice, um, for those of you who have heard her on the pod before, is Cece. Um, so welcome back. Um, we invited you here for a very special episode of sorts, um, because Sophie and I don't really know too many people who have given birth other than (laughs) the woman who gave birth to us. Um, but this week we are looking at, um, Alana Glazer's, uh, co-written, film false positive and we thought it would be only right to have a a person who's actually experienced birth and motherhood chime in with us and a might i say a very badass mom uh, (laughs) well thank you (laughs) yes you definitely just told a story before we started recording um about having to finish term papers from your hospital bed and i don't know what could be more badass than that well, thank you. I mean, if I had to do like, if I do it again, I definitely won't be doing it that way. But <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad I got it out out of the way. Fair enough. Um, how am I doing so far, Sophie? Did I miss anything? I think you're crushing it. Like I, I was gonna say, we actually didn't talk about this before I hit record. But like, sometimes we do. Oh, so you're chi- setting me up to fail? No, no, no. I was sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes we do chit chat up top, but I think I'm glad we're going to like kind of jump in this week because there's going to be a lot to talk about with this movie. I, in terms of chit chat, uh, just a little note from me. I'm going to try to time it out well. Um, maybe we need like a secret word, but there's uh, I am on vacation this week and there are periodically airplanes like right outside my window. Um, so I'm going to try to like mute myself if I hear one coming um in which case Sophie if you see that happen you might just want to jump in and I don't know save 
save this podcast. I can handle that. I think the listeners at this point, like now that you have kittens, are used to there being like mysterious sounds from your end of the podcast every once in a while. So that'll 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 happen. That's true. Yeah, I'm and I'm trying to be better, but you know, Hannah's gonna Hannah. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, well, um, Cece, since you're our guest, do you want to start us off with sort of like a an introduction or a plot summary um, or just like a general explanation of kind of what this movie is about? Uh, sure. So False Positive um, is essentially kind of a um, a nice little creepy tale about um, – a husband and wife that are trying to, or have been trying to get pregnant and, um, have had some issues. So they decide to try IVF and, um, the husband being such a well-known and connected, uh, surgeon, uh, of course has a, another, you know, doctor, uh, colleague who actually is, I guess his mentor. Um, but essentially this mentor like does a whole IVF kind of clinic and is this just, you know, genius at, um, getting couples pregnant. So they go and visit him and they, um, are able to conceive well, multiple children. They decide to keep one of those multiple children. And, um, while the wife who is um, played by Alana, uh, kind of, you know, takes the step into, um, pregnancy and this, like, you know, uh, her, her first like tentative steps into motherhood, um, become a little tainted and, uh, you know, I, I would say, uh, <laughs> manipulated by, uh, those around her and we kind of see her, uh, lose control and kind of grapple to get that control back. And, um, yeah, that's kind of as vague as I can get without getting, <laughs> getting too into it, I guess. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> yeah. I think you did a pretty good job and, um, definitely introduced some of the big, like big ideas going on here. Um, in particular, just kind of everything, um, surrounding control, um, and who has control over whose body, Lots of gaslighting happening here. Yes. Um, Sophie, is there anything in there that you felt was missed or that you want to add? Or, I mean, I feel like that really hits it on the head. Uh, this, like, I think Cece did a great job because this movie goes to some weird places, which I'm sure we will spoil as we go. Um, I do think that, like, one of the themes that comes up a lot to CeCe's point, And I think we've covered a couple movies recently that do this is like not only the gaslighting in this movie, but also just like the, the subtle uh, gender dynamics that are at play throughout this movie in like every interaction that Alana has with anyone are very well done. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Oh, oh no, I'm sorry. I was just gonna say, you know, it's, it's really interesting to see, um, and I should have done my research to see what other movies y'all had discussed lately, but um, especially in this one, it's really interesting and I'm excited to talk about in terms of, like Sophie said, the the dynamic of just how um, how much control, like, you know, you're, I don't know what I'm trying to say. 
that's also what happens when you have a baby is that as hard as you're like, I'm never going to have baby brain, it still happens. So please forgive me, everyone. I'm very sorry. <laughs> but um, no, I think that it, it's um, really interesting to see how intimately someone can lose control of something that like of their body and of something that they're experiencing solely. So Mm -hmm. I, I like that. Um, it's, it's going to be a nice discussion of such. Yeah. I think, um, that actually is a, a good sort of segue into, um, one of the articles that I found that I'll probably be referring to a couple different times, um, was a review that Vulture did of this movie um, where they said false positive isn't quite the the uh, title of the piece was false positive isn't quite horror, but it will freak you out. Um, and that is also kind of something I want to weave into our discussion throughout is whether or not you guys feel that this is a horror movie. Um, but um, there is actually a, a quote in this um where they say um, people keep telling her not to worry in the middle of the biggest event of her life. The men might be gaslighting her or simply patronizing her. Um, Having a uterus can be such a goddamn horror show. How can you tell when you're being paranoid as Lucy's agency and sanity slip away? So um, that's kind kind of those points that you're hitting on where like just the fact that she is pregnant and having her first baby is in and of itself something that could be really scary and really, um, as much as you want to say like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to be one of those women or, you know, whatever it may be. That's a huge life event and it's going to bring up a lot of things. Um, so it is funny that everyone in the movie is always just like so chill about everything. Like even, um, there's one scene where she starts bleeding like pretty heavily um, and they take her to the doctor and she says, or the doctor's basically like, oh, it's fine. It's just like your uterus is like in distress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, and he's like, but I'm not worried about it. So don't worry about it. It's like even things like that where um, it would be really scary. Even when you have a heavy period, sometimes it's scary. Like it's a very, Sophie and I have talked about that on this show before, just how like, periods themselves are pretty traumatic, especially when you start getting them very young. Um, and it's just funny the way that no matter what is happening or being thrown at her or what she's experiencing, everyone in this movie is like, it's fine. Yeah. Hannah, can I, can I jump us back a little bit? Oh yeah, go for it. So I like, before we get too much into the experience her experience of pregnancy, like, I I also want to talk about the stuff that gets established about her and some of her relationships before we get there, because I think that's one of the things that I really love about this movie is the care that they take to sort of establish um, her character and her relationships with other characters even before we get very far into this journey. Um, and I think that that is so effective because then as those relationships start to shift, we sort of like see these things that are like very sinister feeling or even just like infuriating, um, especially on the part of her coworkers. Um, and I remember, so we, we did, Cece, you were on the episode where we did promising young woman, right? Did we all do that one together? 
Uh, I didn't. I sat that episode out. Oh, Hannah wasn't there. Okay. And then, Hannah, you and I did Lucky. So I feel like we've done some interesting um, ep- or ep- interesting episodes about movies like this where I feel like some of this dialogue is the kind of stuff that I think male viewers especially like might not even pick up and then maybe oh, to women sure. it, it feels heavy handed. But like that first interaction with her um, co-worker who it appears that he is her uh, supervisor in some way, but it's it doesn't seem like he's like her boss. I mean – I'm just guessing based on the fact that he is in a standalone office and not in a cubicle that he seems to be a superior in some way, but it seems like they are on relatively equal footing. Um, and yet their very first interaction is him telling her that he suggested her for an ad campaign. And she's like shocked that he would even suggest her, even though we have no reason to believe that she's not very competent. Um, but then he, he sort of undercuts that by being like, I thought you'd be good at it because you're a woman. Although I do have some female intuition myself, but like, I think the execs will like it better if it's coming from a woman. And then he immediately basically is like, okay, well you should go take orders for lunch, even though that's clearly not her job. And then that is a pattern that repeats throughout the movie, right? Where like every time anybody at work wants to have lunch, it's her job to like take orders and order it. Um, so I really love that they take the time to, like, establish her outside of her relationship with Justin Thoreau and outside of her journey to be a mom and sort of place her in her career so that we can see her dynamic with other characters and sort of see the way that these same dynamics are playing out for her, unfortunately, in other spaces, no matter how hard she tries to counteract those things. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, especially, I watched this movie uh, the first time I watched it by myself, and the second time I watched it um, with my boyfriend. And it was interesting to me to 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 see moments like that that he didn't necessarily pick up on as much. Um, like when we were sort of talking about it after, he was like um, a little confused by some of the scenes at her job like he didn't understand like if they were really like necessary right and I was like I think um the point of some of that is showing like that like the ways that the patriarchy permeates like all parts of this individual's life Mm -hmm. and all spaces yeah and that also um brings me to another quote from the vulture article where they say um Lucy never protests that she, the only woman in the office, always has to order lunch. The other half of her job seems to be adjudicating models different types of hotness. Is this pregnancy process stealing something that she's already begun to give away? Sometimes the monster is in the mirror. So I think, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I would have to sit with that for a little while to, like, really... I, I don't know. Like, I, I think that it's a really clever, like Heller's saying, a really clever, um, you know, uh, storytelling uh, dynamic to show her outside or like, you know, you have her interior world and her exterior world and, and you see how not necessarily controlled, but how um, guided she is in her exterior life. And then, you know, you've got 
her relationship with, with her partner who, you know, like even with his like kind of throwaway comment about like not liking her friends and that Mm -hmm. they're, you know, I think I forgot, like she kind of brushes it off as like they're, they're like young and kind of, you know, still wild. And there, there's this kind of comment that like, well, you know, once you hit a certain age or you've grown out of it and that you're, you're, you know, becoming a, a mother or somebody who is, you know, going to give birth to somebody else or that you've been, you've entered this different stage of your life, that that's not something that you're allowed to do anymore. So like, I also think that's a really seeing, seeing her kind of in, well, I mean, we never see her like argue about having to get lunch or I don't think she says anything about like having, like there's not any discourse about like the hotness of other people, but it's really interesting to see that like, there's very little protest there, but once it starts interfering with her interiority, mm-hmm. that's when it starts really unraveling. And I think that that's an interesting dynamic too, because, you know, you're <laughs> as someone who has been pregnant, like you're, you lose all control of your body. Like, I mean, I, I commend people who are like, oh, being pregnant was the most wonderful thing. It was, you know, it was paradise. It was like, I, it it was so joyful because I, you know, I was giving birth or, you know, growing something and like, yes, I'm, I'm very grateful and very glad that I, I had my daughter, but like you definitely lose yourself and that slipping, like you feel like you're going crazy. I mean, like there's a physical and mental, like, it, it, I mean, it's like a, a very slow, but domino effect crumble of like, I'm losing control over my body. And that's the one thing that I kind of have, like that I should have control over. So it's interesting to see how it's played out that like, she puts up with all this stuff in her day to day life, because it's not necessarily, yes, it's affecting her. And yes, it's something that she personally has to deal with, but it's, there's still this barrier. And once it crosses that barrier, then like all hell kind of breaks loose. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. That's well, and Hannah, I'm, point. Hannah, I'm curious um, if that, can you tell us if that review was written by a man or a woman? Um, this review was written by a woman. Okay. So I, so what I think is interesting about that comment about her um, sort of not, not making more of a protest about those things is like, and sort of to Cece's comment about how we see her react to these um, sort of like aggressions on her micro, not even microaggressions, these like direct aggressions on her like autonomy and personhood and sort of like ability to do, like not only, you know, it's her husband, you know, contradicting what she said. It's her coworkers assuming that she'll take care of food because she's the woman. Like, I think we see her handle that differently in different situations and I think for me the movie does that in a really smart way where like the power dynamics are really different when you are a woman in a male-dominated field and you're in an office where you are the only woman right like that this again like we see three of her co-workers they're all men at least one of them seems to be her superior in some form or fashion um and she's in advertising, which I think, like, historically is, it has been thought of as, like, a, well, and has been, like, a 
field that is dominated by men and sort of like a good old boys club. And that is changing. But like, I think it's interesting that she seems more likely to um, sort of like, I don't want to say stand up for herself because that sounds like I'm putting a judgment on it, but it sounds like, it seems like she's more comfortable pushing back against those aggressions when they come from her partner than when they come from the doctor or her co-workers. And so, like, I think that's really well, interesting. Well, yeah, like people who are in positions of power. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, to me, the quote that you read from the art, from the review, like, I don't really think that that uh, quote is entirely fair because I don't think it's really taking into account that, like, when those power dynamics are at play, like, I'm sure that this character is a person who would love to not be responsible for getting food for everybody. But it it seems like, and I think they do a good job of characterizing her in such a way that, like, it seems like she's had this job for a long time and she feels like she is just starting to get to where she wants to be. Um, and maybe she has had to make sacrifices to get there and do stuff that she knows should not be her job. Um, and so, like, I just, I wish that that uh, sort of gotten more of an accounting in that, in that commentary. Right. Well, I think that, that it also does, um, I don't necessarily disagree with the, like the comment so much as I also kind of view it as I do think like in some, on some level we see a change in Lucy. Like she goes through a, a change as the movie goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, cause like there's one scene early on when she says something where she's like, um, when she gets this, this new campaign at work, she says like, uh, to her husband, um, uh, saying like, I've got, I'm pregnant. I've got my dream job. I've got my man by my side. Like I'm going to be one of those women who really does have it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like at the beginning of the movie, like that is what is important to her. And as, as the movie progresses and particularly as she does lose, um, some of like that autonomy of her own body, I feel like we see her, her, we see her, uh, priorities shift a little, um, or like, not shift a little, or not necessarily like her priorities are shifting, but maybe just in the way um, that she would attain those things, changing a little. Like I, I feel like there's a like growth in that too. Like in that, by the end of the movie, she's like, "I don't need, um, I don't need a husband or a, a, a man to be who I'm going to be or to be a mother." Yeah. Um, and. You know, and he and her husband also keeps telling her like he wants her to stop working when the babies come, mm-hmm. and they have an argument later on where she's just like, "I'm not going to do that. Like I've been working so hard for so long, I'm not going to give that up now." Um, so I think we also get to see her um, really like fight for those things in a, in a different way as the movie progresses than maybe in the beginning. Um, but yeah, definitely also in that scene too of when she tells her boss that she's pregnant mm-hmm. and he um, kind of like calls everybody else from the office who are all men into the room. And she's very obviously early stages pregnant at this point. And um, she was clearly telling him like quietly. She, like, yes. she was very intentional about not making this like a public thing. 
Yes, and he's like immediately like tell everyone, tell the whole entire office, and we'll all comment on your body and appearance. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I definitely think like the it's funny to me that my boyfriend was a little bit like ah, I could have done without the work scenes, and I'm like ah, but there's so much there's in so much those. Better. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, I totally agree with you, Hannah. I think that there like I think the work scenes are very pertinent to the the whole storyline. Yeah, and then I kind of want, if I can, um, because getting into some of that stuff with her in the beginning, saying, like, I'm going to have it all, or, um, and I've got, uh, got my, my man by my side and everything, um, I was thinking maybe we could shift a little bit into some of the dynamic between her and her husband, since we're kind of broaching that subject um and before we do that i just want to point out to everyone although i'm sure you guys have already are already aware of this that um uh her husband's name in the movie uh, her husband played by justin thoreau his name is adrian um and this movie is in many ways very obviously like sort of s- s- supposed to be or like a modernized uh, Rosemary's Baby, or like a, it's heavily inspired by Rosemary's Baby, and yes. and even kind of the yellow wallpaper, you know. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. And um, Adrian is the name of the baby uh, that is Satan's child oh, in Rosemary's shit. Baby. I did not know that when you were set when you were like tying it to Rosemary's Baby. I'm like, well, it's not her husband's name, so who? Okay, that's <laughs> super interesting. Well, and. I, Hannah, like, this might not be the time you want to talk about it, but I do want to talk about what you brought up earlier about, like, whether or not this is a horror movie, because... Uh, oh, yeah. I would I would say definitively yes. Uh, yes, I fully totally um, agree, I would and we'll agree, talk but about I was that, kind of thinking we could. Yeah, I was kind of thinking we could kind of come back, or we could kind of yes. come to that at the end of our discussion, but yeah. That's totally fine. Okay, but I was going to say, like, especially because of how influenced it is by Rosemary's Baby, it's like, if you're going to... If Rosemary's Baby is a horror movie, which it is... Then so is this. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I definitely want to um, want to like go into that later, um, or kind of at the end, we'll like really let everybody put a little, yeah, put a pin in that, and we'll come back to that at the end. To, to, <laughs> Sounds awesome. To uh, we'll all just go off on why we disagree with this woman at Vulture, um, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I kind of want to get into uh, some of the dynamic with the husband. Um, One thing I did think was funny, a slight criticism from the Vulture article, is that um, her husband is supposed to be, like, this very well-respected doctor, but there's a lot of situations that they're in that he doesn't doctor at all. Um, which I did think was a kind of a funny point. And, and I didn't even really notice it when I was watching the movie. Um, but there are a lot of times where she has like health scares or things come up and he doesn't, they just go straight to Pierce Brosnan and like, that is such a good point. <laughs> if you were, I would think that if you were married to a doctor, like your doctor would have so many thoughts or like your husband would have so many thoughts about everything because they were a doctor. Um, and it's weird because her, her husband doesn't specialize in like OBGYN medicine but Pierce Brosnan was his yeah. teacher, so well, I mean, you'd think you would have, like, just the basic knowledge yeah, about the human body. Yeah, you would have done some, yeah. Right, right. You and, like, and he, he works in, um, I mean, he does do, like, uh, reconstructive plastic surgeries for women right. who had mastectomy. So he has, yeah, I don't, I don't know. There's just some overlap there that's kind of funny. That, that was, I thought, a funny point to be made, that he really doesn't. 
get that much into the doctoring, um, even though we hear this whole movie how he's, like, an amazing doctor. Right. Um, but, um, well, one thing is, is I find Justin Theroux very attractive. Uh, I mean, yes. I find Pierce Brosnan very attractive, too. So it was very hard to see both of them be such creeps. I've um, never, I mean, both of them are creepy in this movie, but I've never been less attracted to, this is an aside, but, like, I remember once in college when Tosh.0 was still popular, and I was hanging out with a couple guy friends, and they had it on TV, and one of the videos he showed was this, like, very, uh, this just, like, very gross man describing going down on a woman, and Ugh. it was so upsetting, and I turned to my friend, uh, who's a guy, and I was like, there is this thing that happens when you're a woman where it just feels like your entire vagina like recedes up into your chest. It's like, no, 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 no. And that is what happened to me in this movie. Every time Pierce Brosnan was doing any kind of procedure and just Um, making the grossest mouth sounds, he would just be like, like when he, when he puts the fertilizer, when he puts the sperm inside her and he's like, "Mm, yes. Mm-hmm. It's Ugh. like it's and he like also says, Momoa. He says he says like this good stuff. <laughs> yes, it's oh, like that was Jason so Momoa gross. in that SNL sketch where he's like, "Yes, very good, very good." Yes. Like, I hated it. I hated Even it. the okay. way he rubs his hands together before he Ugh. puts before he puts stuff on the speculum. I literally was the like, "I want to puke." So gross. So the way gross. That he lubes the way that he lubes all of his instruments is like super sexual. Ugh, I hated it. I hated well, and. It. Also, I thought a good point that was also made in this article is um, that not only is it acted well by by Brosnan as, like, he's, like, smarmy and gross, but also just, like, the subtle things, too. Like, the fact that he does make all of his nurses dress in these, like, pastel pink nurse outfits that kind of look like, like those old diner waitress uniforms. Yeah, or, like, candy stripers. Yeah, like, Ugh. he's very overtly... And also very subtly, like, a, a person who embraces his position in the patriarchy. hmm I mean, and is, like, dining out on it. It's like all the women in his staff are, like, young and beautiful and blonde. Um, and they all look the same. And oh, they all look the they, same. Yeah, they all look the same. Yeah. And it's so weird, too, that uh, when they go to, uh, to do the procedure and Justin Throw has to give a sample, and that mm-hmm. one nurse is like, do you need any help with that? And he's like, um, no, thank you. <laughs> I was going to say, so I know we're like, Hannah, you said you wanted to talk about the dynamic of their relationship. And I think we're sort of like getting into it as we talk about this. Um, that was one of the scenes that I remembered most vividly. Cause a little bit of inside baseball for the listeners, Hannah and I were originally going to do this movie like a couple of months ago. So I watched this movie a few months ago and then I rewatched most of it. Uh, before recording this episode, and the, uh, one of the epi- one of the shots that I found super effective, um, that again is just an indicator of how smart I think this movie is, um, is when Justin Thoreau goes to masturbate so that he can give a sperm sample, um, and you know, like he takes his phone in to watch pornography, and the pornography that he's watching is like a man, like a woman. A, it's a close, a tight close up on a woman's face. I'm going to put a little content warning here. Cause it's not, I'm not trying to kink shame anybody, but this, this was rough for me to watch. Um, it's just a tight up on a woman's face. 
she's been looks like she's been crying her makeup's all smeared and this guy's like slapping her and then just like comes all over her face and then it cuts immediately to alana glazer's face um and that like oh that was like a punch in the stomach that was so rough um i will say that the uh vulture article actually ends with a whole paragraph about how how um how well they thought that that scene was done Mm -hmm. um and how upsetting it was um especially like how he come how he like immediately it cuts to him being like sweet and gentle to her as she's having this procedure done right after we've seen like what he is watching um for himself it's also like knowing what we know and where the movie goes it's like and i also want to be mindful not to kink shame anyone but um yeah, like, given that porn where the woman appears to be in distress, um, mm-hmm. it given where this movie goes, it's like, if that's what was being used to produce the sperm to create the baby that comes from this exchange, like, no wonder. <laughs> well, and also, just a sidebar, I don't know where the, um, just a little, like, interesting fact while I was pregnant and just reading random stuff, um, there are different, um, maybe not uh, like full experiments, but there's definitely um, studies and conversation around the like gender and disposition, there we go, of your child based on how they were conceived and like if the woman orgasmed during the the conception of the baby and like how like if you like the different positions and everything so just to back up what you just said like that's super interesting and I think very clever to be written in that way that's Um, fascinating that is very interesting crazy um yeah like if the woman doesn't come when a baby is conceived like that that baby is just gonna be trash I want I want you I want you all to know and I think I mean Hannah obviously knows this story but I'm just going to share a little anecdote so that we can all uh tee hee hee a little bit which is that um one of my first boyfriends um the first boyfriend with whom I was sexually active um we did not ever have penetrative penis and vagina sex and like he kept wanting to do all kinds of stuff that was very close to that And I wasn't on birth control and I was like, that just seems like not a great idea um, because babies. And he literally looked at me dead in the face and like very much believed this and was like, women can't get pregnant if they don't have an orgasm. And I was like, if only (laughs) I was like, sir, if that were true, the population of this planet would be way smaller. Yeah. If only man, what a, (laughs) yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if I want to be like, oh, that's that's, that's like sweet or like that's just <laughs> sad. It's so sad. He was like a 16-year-old boy. Yeah. I, yeah, that's It's like like basically like basically he just wanted to come like very close to my vagina. And I was like, that seems dangerous like not probably not a great idea. And he was like, "Yeah, but if only I come, you can't get pregnant." And I was like, "No, mm-mm, mm, no. that's not how that works, mm, sir." No, oh. no, 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 no. And I was also like, "Wow, you're really making this sound like a lot of fun." Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, like, cool. Damn. 
Like, the fact that it didn't even occur to him that, like, maybe sex should feel good for everybody. I don't know. Anyway. Oh, high school. Am I right? Okay. He's like, as long as I get in, as long as I bust in that, we're fine. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Sorry, mom and dad. Okay. Go ahead, Hannah. <laughs> um, I mean, if you can believe it, I s- forgot what I was going to say. Um. <laughs> I don't know how that could have possibly happened. I mean, we I mean, we were talking about their dynamic. Uh, the last scene I rewatched before I got on here to record with you all is um, after they find out that she's pregnant with a pair of male twins and a single female child, and she has to pick, they have to pick, to either keep the twin boys or the female singlet, as they refer to to the fetus. Um, And they're, like, out at a fancy... He, like, takes her... This, I thought, was one of the best scenes in the movie, just to, like, really hammer home what their relationship is like. He takes her to this really fancy restaurant. He... She's clearly feeling very conflicted. She's not like super excited or in the mood to celebrate. He buys super expensive champagne. He's like, cheer up. This champagne's expensive. (laughs) Um, Like such a fucking dick. And then when she's trying to say that she wants to keep the daughter and he wants to keep the boys. um, And basically his response to her, and I wrote this down is, I hear what you're saying. I just don't want you to regret your decision. Like he's, Basic, I mean, not basically. He is saying, I know better. Like, you're being irrational and emotional, and you should listen to me because my decision is the rational one that makes sense. And in the middle of them having this argument, the waiter comes over and is like, do you guys want to hear the specials? And she's clearly upset, and he's like, yeah. And then, like, the waiter just starts listening to the specials, and Justin throws like, yes, mm-hmm, yes. And it's just like, I, that if that scene does not encapsulate their relationship, I don't know what does. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like something a conversation that you definitely should be having like at home um and just like t- I would die like to be having that conversation in like at a fancy restaurant and uh-huh. like having people keep interrupting you and coming to the table. It's like oh my god, like yes, yeah, so And to have the- your partner and to have your partner like make you feel guilty for not being in the mood to celebrate right at that exact moment. Well, and like, and that's be like, like yeah. It, it's such the quintessential like I'm going to I'm going to discuss this in public so that you don't make a scene. Yes, CC. And it's yes. like it's that's like oh, it's just textbook like manipulation and you're like, "What? Are like, oh, that was so frustrating." Yeah, and cuz it's like even if um no matter what they decide, like they're going to terminate you know, one of two yeah. options. So it's a, right. still a sad it's, it's thing. Still, yeah, and it's still heavy. Like, it's not something that should be, like, just discussed lightly over, you know, bubbly. Like, what? Like, right. dude, read the room. And it's a shock. Like, they, they literally just found out that she's pregnant with more than one child, which she didn't know. Mm-hmm. And they are being encouraged, like, like y'all said, they're being encouraged to terminate at least one of those fetuses and then he's like oh my god this is great (laughs) just like no awareness for how such nice champagne yeah Yeah. well and then in the morning he's like he's like he comes to quote-unquote apologize and his apology is literally i'm sorry if uh if i made you feel bad or whatever like he's not 
actually apologizing. He's just like, eh, like if your like wimpy little girl feelings were hurt by me, then uh, sorry about that. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, do why you- did mean to? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do you want to talk about um, her relationship with the other women in this movie? Yes. Oh, go for it, CC. Oh no, <laughs> I just it was very triggering for me um, when she like when a he like recommends like well maybe you should just find like a mommy group and she does and then like she just sits there and she's like so overwhelmed and so like uh like I don't know just out of place like it felt very um I don't know it felt very real life I was like ooh okay <laughs> I have definitely experienced this before mm-hmm. and it's really hard you know, um, I mean, there's so many things in this world that you're like, I wish we were taught about this or like, I wish people would, you know, kind of explain this more or discuss this more. And, you know, I, I realized that everyone has a different experience and, it, you know, things are, I, I don't know, the false sense of support, which I think like is a nice play on on the false positive title. Like, you know, I mean, yes, there, that's a direct reference to like a pregnancy test, but it's also like, you know, like everyone's like, Oh, being pregnant, pregnant is wonderful. It's this wonderful positive in your life. Like everything, you know, just changes for the better. And like, yes, so much does change and so much is great from it, but like no one really talks about how difficult that is Mm -hmm. or all the things that, you have to kind of deal with and understand and work through yourself and how, how hard that is. And being around people who are supposed to have like experienced something similar to you and you hearing their, you know, their advice, you know, them talking to you, but them talking at you with their advice. And this like, this whole group of women like seem very genuine. Like they're all very warm and, you know, everyone's getting along. There's not like any of this underlying like cattiness that, you know, you often see so many times um, or like that's stereotypical, you know, of like women in groups and movies. But at the same time, like they're all talking and they're all like sharing all of this. And, you know, there's just like this outpouring of connection, but Lucy is sitting there in like, barely says anything through the whole like through this whole scene and it's just really I think that that's just as interesting of a or it's just as clever of a you know stereo I mean a storytelling technique as um you know her relationship with her co-workers and her husband because she's becoming more and more isolated you know she's experiencing this thing that's supposed to like that everyone tells you is supposed to mm-hmm. connect you with everyone else. But in real, in reality, it's it, you become extremely, extremely isolated. Right. Well, and the women that she is, you know, like her husband is suggesting to her join this group for support. Um, and a lot of them are just like, Oh no, it's not that bad. Or like, you look beautiful. You look great. Like you're having a baby. Just be excited. Be happy. Um, like no, like a lot of the people in the group definitely aren't like acknowledging her feelings. And then when they do like Sophia Bush's character does sort of at a point, um, seem like she is, you know, on, on, uh, Lucy's side. And then we kind of 
find out and realize later she's like, it goes all the way to the top. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think like that's, Cece, that's such a good point and I'm glad you brought it up. And I think that like one of the other things, um, or I guess like another dynamic of that or just to like agree with what both of you are saying, I guess. It's not just that no one really seems to be supporting Lucy. It's also that I am all, I have not had a child. I have never been pregnant. However, every uh, person I know who has been pregnant has had periods of time in their pregnancy where they were fucking miserable. And so like to have a whole group of women who get together to talk about being pregnant, but none of them talk about being unhappy in the slightest. And so like, it's such a, to your point, Cece, like it is such a smart uh, dimension to add to this because it's like, it is constantly reminding the audience that like women are socialized to not talk about Mm -hmm. any parts of pregnancy that are hard and women are socialized to be like, pregnancy is great. All of it is awesome. Nothing bad happens. Like everything is a gift. It's great. Um, a, a certain, uh, male human that Cece and I know, um, once had the audacity to say to Cece and I that like, they, he doesn't understand, like, we were just talking about how, like, there is a unique fear that, like, only, uh, only people, like, with uteruses who are menstruating can really fully grasp, which is, like, the fear that you might be pregnant when you don't want to be, um, or you didn't plan to be, or you're not ready to be for whatever reason, and this particular male human was basically, like, yeah, I get it. Like pregnancy is hard, I guess. But I just feel like if I was a woman, like I would think it was such a blessing and I would be so happy to be pregnant. And it's like, that's great. That's really great for you. But also very easy for you to say since that is a physical impossibility. (laughs) Yeah, That is not something you've ever had to experience, (laughs) especially when you were like like a teenager or something where you were like, you know, my mom's going to kill me. <laughs> like this is this is this is maybe this maybe sounds like an an overstatement and I'm I don't mean to be insensitive, but I think like it it reminds me of people that were like I wish I were alive during the Holocaust because like I would have done the right thing. And it's like, yeah, it's really easy to say that you would have made really hard choices and done things that were difficult when that is completely impossible for you to do. And you don't have to actually grapple with the weight of what that would mean. Um, And so, like, I love that we have all these women that are, like, ostensibly getting together to support each other. And yet it seems that nobody is actually being authentic with each other about what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and even when Sophia Bush's character eventually does sort of provide us with somebody who is maybe going to, like, finally be a, a you know, like a, 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 a respite for Lucy. Um, it's very quickly revealed that she is, like, also a part of it, and she's really just trying to, like, appease Lucy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, um, this is sort of off, topic but 
um, as we're, you know, as time is moving. There's a few things I want want to make sure we have enough time to talk about. Um, one of the things I want to talk about is what I found to be the most scary scene in the movie, which is um, when they are preparing to go to a gala to honor um, Dr. Hindle and they're in their house and Adrian turns the light off mm-hmm. and then there's a sound and it's just and Adrian says he's going to go check it out and then he just like goes into like a dark doorway he just um, disappears just disappears and that scene is so scary and, and I thought very well done like that would be so hard to light to have her be in light like that and then have everything beyond that doorway be complete darkness yeah like utter and complete like pitch blackness not just like shadows it's like it looks like he like walks out of existence yes it's so scary and um and it was really funny because but right before we watched this um my boyfriend and I had gotten high together one night and um he hadn't seen the movie yet and we were sitting in the living room in the dark and mm-hmm. he was like did you hear something and i was like don't even like are you messing with me and he's like no i'm serious i thought i just heard something in the kitchen and i was like i'm sure it's just like one of the appliances in the kitchen um and he was like okay maybe i should go check it out and i was like did you watch false positive and didn't tell me and now you're trying to scare me on purpose <laughs> So I was like, this literally happens in that movie, and it is so scary, and now you're doing it to me right now. <laughs> um, and then he was like, no, I just haven't seen it. Um, but yeah, that part I thought was just, like, super effective and really scary. Uh, and then he accidentally did that to me in real life. <laughs> um, but then another thing I want to talk about and give it some time is um, – when Lucy does start to feel like she has concerns and she feels uncomfortable, um, she wants to go see a midwife. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to talk about what happens with the midwife in this movie because there's some there's some commentary there. Um, but I also feel a little bit is like a part where an aspect where the movie falls short a little bit um, because it addresses a subject, but not to a, to the fullest extent that I feel it could be addressed. Uh Oh, Hannah, you broke us. (laughs) <laughs> I know. I was like, well. <laughs> I so, mean... yeah, I mean, so, I mean, to get, I can just say, like, what I'm referring to is um, Lucy kind of globs onto the idea that this midwife is going to, is, like, the answer to all of her problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's, like, kind of two things that can happen there. Like, um, I personally... Um, after I had an experience a few years ago where I had gone to the ER because I had pains in my, um, like abdomen, um, in my pelvis, I, I had 
really intense pain. I like I thought I had maybe had a, a, my appendix burst. Um, and I had a male doctor in the ER who was basically like, yeah, so um, you just, I mean, I, I would guess it's probably a cyst on your ovary. Like it might have ruptured, uh, but it could just be that it's just really painful because they're super painful, I'm told. But um, like once you get one, you're more likely to get them. So I would just like keep track of how painful it feels right now because that's pretty normal. And then if it feels worse than that, then you should go to a doctor. <laughs> so helpful. Yeah. And I, I was like, is there anything you can do for me? Is there anything I can do to like prevent this or to deal with the pain? And he was like, I can give you like extra strength Tylenol. And I basically was like, all right, I'm never going to a male doctor for anything for the rest of my life. Um, like, like, especially when it has to do with anything in my reproductive system. Like, I don't want a man telling me anything about my vagina or my reproductive organs, like anything. I'm like, I don't need a man to be like, oh, it probably hurts a lot. Sorry. I'm, I'm told. Yes. I'm told. Well, and <laughs> I had a, I had been seeing a male gynecologist since I was 18 and, you know, I mean, I liked him fine. You know, I didn't really have any issues with him and I stopped seeing him the year before I got pregnant because he told me that I had spent enough time being an artist and working on my career that I needed to hurry up and get pregnant. Bowsers! Oh my God. Yeah. And I was like, well, this is the last time I'm going to see you. Wow. 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 So I, yeah. So I, oh yeah. See like this, why I just, I cannot, especially like in that experience too, like the, I had to get an internal ultrasound, um, which for anyone who doesn't know is basically like a long stick that they shove up inside you and just poke around. Um, and it's very uncomfortable. And especially when they're poking around on your like exasperated ovaries. Um, my ultrasound technician was a woman and she was so sweet to me. She like held my hand and she would tell me like, breathe in, breathe out. And like, she talked really nicely to me the whole time. And I was just like, wow. Yeah. Never want to, I don't ever want a, a man down there for doctor reasons ever again. Um, but so I think that there's something in that her seeking out this midwife could be some kind of a commentary on like for issues surrounding women's vaginas and like their reproductive health. It is more comforting to have a woman treat you or have a woman, someone who knows what it's like or has some perspective on it to treat you. Um, and I can see that somewhat, but then as the movie goes on, um, we find out like with Lucy experiencing more and more hallucinations, it's revealed that like this character who's been shown to us this entire movie, um, sort of to have like a, and Sophie, you can, help me if I'm using like incorrect terminology, I would say she has like a, like an African aesthetic to her. I don't know how to say it exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that, uh, yes, I think that like the idea there, the way that she is sort of like portrayed in the initial sequences where we see her is very much that like she is a midwife and that she is, presumably 
like using what are completely like nondescript to us and not fleshed out in any way, like old African traditions. I'm using big air quotes here. Yes. Um, because like, so I found this interesting and kind of problematic because I, I want to give the writers the benefit of the doubt that they did this on purpose. Like, having a very wealthy white woman in Brooklyn be like, what I need to do is like get back to nature and go see like an African midwife, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and in horror, you know, it's like, she is very clearly our like magical Negro character. Um, so it, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt that they're doing this intentionally, but I don't feel like they do enough to be like, this is all because yes, I think like the idea there is that uh, she's being portrayed or that our lead character is understanding her as someone who is like doing these like more traditional quote traditional methods, even though they're not talking to us about like where that is from or really like uh, explaining or respecting it in any way. It doesn't seem um, and. And it feels like there is this tendency um, with with white folks, uh, of which we are all a part of this lovely group of people. So I feel like it is a tendency of white folks to be like, oh, like Native Americans or uh, Hispanic people or black people are like inherently more spiritual than us. Like they get it. Um, so I think that's like where we land. Sorry, right. I know that's not all you were you were asking for. No, I went way deeper than no, you. No, but that's for. kind of that's what I mean. Like I think um I, yeah, I think I I was I'm trying to um find the words to make sure that my description of it is respectful, but I think that the depiction is purposefully not respectful in some regard. Like yeah. she is at, at a certain point like almost um especially when it is revealed that she really is none of those things. Um, Mm -hmm. and she's been being like imagined and envisioned this certain way by Lucy. I think it becomes even more clear, um, that she literally has been viewing her as like, as like a magical black woman who was just going to save her and like Like, make her pregnant. Who just could fix it inherently. Right. Just inherently and just by existing. And so I think that it's an interesting concept. Um, and I agree with you, Sophie, that, I do like I I it's intent I like that it's intentional to have that you know have this thing of cuz you know white women really often are like the main offenders in just being like you know like co-opting other cultures um and being like I'm spiritual. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um so I do I, I appreciate that's like that that choice or that that step was made, but I also agree that I don't think that that, like, revelation was fully realized, um, yeah. or, or handled in, in the, to the best of its ability, it's like, to the point where that part falls flat to me and does feel a little bit problematic. Like, even in yeah. trying, even in trying to make a comment on how this character was wrong and was being problematic. I think the movie in itself kind of 
is also a little problematic. <laughs> yeah, I would I would agree with that. Yeah, I would sure. agree with that. They definitely fall into the trap that I think a lot of uh, movies, and especially horror movies recently, fall into where they're like trying to comment on a thing, but they just kind of do it instead of saying a whole lot. Um, and yeah, so, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess like, you know, we're, we're going long, so I'm going to try to wrap things up here. There's just so much to talk about with this movie. I know. Um, and I still want to come back to like, you know, where everybody falls on if it's a horror, but I guess the last thing I really want to talk about, well, God, that's so hard. There's like two things I want to talk about. I want to talk about the ending and I guess this is sort of part of it. Um, So at the end of the movie, um, this is where we're, you know, if you haven't watched it yet, stop and go watch it, and then you can listen to this part, but... It's um, on Hulu, so you can watch it easily if you have Hulu access. So, um, essentially, uh, Lucy gives birth, and when she gives birth, she gives birth to two twin boys, and to a very small, underdeveloped, uh, stillborn wendy um which was the baby that she was planning on having and um, the one that that yeah they had told her that when they did right. the selective reduction they were reducing the male fetuses and not wendy right um and and then through that whole uh experience we get to sort of like the final uh showdown wherein it is revealed that dr hindle um, use his own sperm, um, so and that he's basically like cloning himself, kind of. Um, I also read a thing on IMDb that says um, in every scene that they're in, uh, Justin Thoreau and Pierce Brosnan have their hair parted and beards done like in exactly the same way, mm-hmm. and then they do their uh, mannerisms like to mirror each other because it's supposed to be suggested that um adrian himself is one of dr hindle's children yeah that's interesting and very creepy and very creepy (laughs) so gross i hate it so gross um and yeah and so that kind of leads us into like the final showdown wherein um there is a confrontation between pierce brosnan and alana glazer where she makes the assertion like she says you raped me and he like laughs that off and is like ha 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 no like i i gave you a baby um and wow i finally remember what i was trying to think of like an hour ago when sophie told that story and this will bring me into that nicely um i was just gonna say if you guys haven't seen the documentary on hbo baby god Mm. I knew you were going to bring this up at some point. (laughs) I have watched that documentary so many times. I know it's wrong because it's a really fucked up story. It is just so insane. But I think everybody should watch it because it also, I think, talks about um, sexual assault and the way that we view and talk about sexual assault in this country in a very interesting way. Baby God, everybody should watch it. Um, this is honestly not that dissimilar from that true story. Right. Um, but, uh, I have a comment, which is just that in the final showdown where, um, Lucy starts, Lucy and Pierce Brosnan start fighting and then his sort of like top nurse comes in, um, and they fight as well. 
Um, Pierce Brosnan, I'm trying to remember exactly. Does she kill him or does she just chop his dick off? <laughs> um, you're asking this when I've already said that I did not get to rewatch the end. I was so say, I, I cannot remember. remember. Okay, <laughs> I can't remember if she kills him or if she just like maims him. Um, and I just watched this like a week ago, so sorry guys it's all the weed but um <laughs> let's ju- let's just say that uh she for for sure takes away his ability to do this to anyone else and maybe maybe even if we don't see him die on screen he bled out from having his dick chopped off but what i but what i what i part of the reason i can't quite remember too is because one thing i was so taken with in that scene is when she fights the nurse she very definitively kills her with uh, essentially like an internal um, um, ultrasound wand. Like she chokes her out and shoves the ultrasound wand down her throat at the same time and like definitely kills that lady. Which I have to uh, assume is a sleepaway camp reference. (laughs) (laughs) Um... But I I don't know. I thought that was a little bit interesting, like an interesting choice that um, that it, it almost makes me feel like that woman, the nurse who was like, you know, like the woman who knew what he was doing and helped him is the true villain of the movie. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I can – I mean, that's kind of how I interpreted it because, I mean – you know, it, it kind of, it kind of reflects back to the convert, you know, to their conversation and like the mommy group. That's like, you, you're supposed to have this, this, you know, um, underlying bond because it's somebody who can physically and mentally meet you on the same place that you are. And, you know, that's kind of like, I saw it as like the ultimate betrayal because, you know, you're, you're a turncoat to be working for the other side and, and doing what you know is wrong, essentially. Yeah, I feel like uh, there's been an interesting turn recently um, in movies that talk about rape culture and like how we talk about the women who participate in that. I, and I, I want to be very clear. I obviously am not talking about people who are victimized by that system. I'm talking about like women who, for example, we had in black Christmas, the remake from 2019, we had that one of the sorority sisters that was like in on it. And she was helping the frat guys, um, to kill her friends. And in the slumber party massacre remake, uh, that was on sci-fi, which, I will give a brief spoiler for here. So if you haven't watched it yet, um, tiny spoiler. Uh, This movie, we have the same killer as the original, but this movie implicates his mom and sort of like makes a point of being like, his mom knew that he did this and she didn't stop him. Instead, she just tried to like render the women unconscious first so that they wouldn't suffer, but ultimately blamed them for what was happening to them. So I think it's really interesting that we're seeing this 
perspective in horror movies that are looking at rape culture and and ultimately trying to grapple with like how do we hold women accountable who are complicit and who allow this uh system to continue to function yeah for sure yeah that's a good point um yeah i think it's it does sort of i guess like when i first watched it i i felt like i had a problem with it where i was like i think that I don't want like the woman to be the ultimate villain of this or a woman to be the ultimate villain of this film. That's really all about like the patriarchy um, and the dangers and like inherent violence of that. But at the same time, I think that's also like, especially hearing you guys talk about it, it's often like very much the case. Like it are, it's like the women who are complicit and in some ways are maybe even like, making other women feel more comfortable to enter into situations where their safety is threatened. Um, So, yeah, I guess, like, you know what? I I was wrong on that one. You guys have taught me a lesson today. Well, and I I want to be clear that, like, I I I think that, you know, you can – I think that both things can be true. You know, I don't think that – I mean, it can be frustrating to see that, like, you know, the the – female character is the one that gets blamed for it and that you know ultimately like and she just gets like a a dick dick object object shoved down her throat (laughs) to kill her like i kind of wish that that's how pierce like i feel like it would have been more satisfying to me if pierce brosnan had died in that way yeah and i I think that's a totally valid yeah the tool that he used to essentially rape yeah who knows how many women was used to um orally rape and murder him yeah. would have been more satisfying to me for sure I mean I think that you know I mean there's a little bit of a it can still be disappointing to not get that like sense of, of validation and you know I mean it's I think that it, it's okay to feel that way and that you know it's not necessarily I, I wouldn't say that it's wrong to be like well I kind of wish this would have happened and that, yeah. that character wasn't or, you know that character didn't live up to what I was expecting. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think that you're you're in the wrong by any means. Well, especially yeah, I, in a horror movie where, you know, sometimes I like my vengeance. Yeah, exactly. Straight out and to the point. There, yes, exactly. You're like, I was needing this as a release and I did not get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. No, I, I, I want to be very clear, Hannah, that, like, I, first of all, I think Cece and I are both on the record that we don't entirely remember the ending. So I genuinely don't remember if Pierce Brosnan died or not. If Pierce Brosnan doesn't die, um, I while I uh, while I still mean all the stuff I said about like how I think it's interesting to like deal with the women who are a part of the system, like in some way, I do agree that like it is. It is interesting and maybe not as satisfying and also maybe troubling that, like, we see the harshest retribution for this person who, like, was who who was the woman in this situation, right? And, like, mm-hmm. what, it, what it reminds me of is there's a really good article that I will link to in our show notes um, called... What Becky Gotta Do to Get Murked, White Womanhood in Jordan Peele's Get Out. And it sort of talks about how um, the two male characters in the family in Get Out are both killed on screen pretty brutally. And then Catherine Keener dies off screen and Allison, we don't see, she might die, but uh, ultimately 
Chris decides to let her live, or at least he decides not to be the person that kills her. Um, and how that's like a problematic pattern um, in America for like women to sort of get off the hook for racism and for causing extreme harm to black men. Um, and so like, I think that is like, I think your criticism is a valid one, regardless of what I'm saying about looking at the different actors within rape culture. You know what, Sophie, you're right. I'm never wrong. And <laughs> That's exactly you what heard I it said. here first, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Sophie seconds it. Everything I say is fact and that's just how it is. Um, okay, well, I think we did a pretty good job. Um, I don't know if you guys want to touch down on probably the most bonkers part of the movie, which is the very end. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about that or just kind of let that be and let it. I feel like we should leave it just in case people have gotten this yeah, far without watching it yet. Like, I want people to experience that. I would, I, okay, I'm glad you said that because I agree. <laughs> I totally agree. But do you want to talk about if it's a horror movie or not? Yes. So um, what I was going to say is that um, before when Cece was – when you were talking and I said, you know, when I'm watching a horror movie, I want my vengeance to be, <laughs> you know, like really to the point. Um, I – as we sort of hinted to earlier, I agree. I think this is a horror movie. Um, I think, and I do find it very interesting that the, that, that vulture, uh, article was written by a woman and that, that woman, and again, you know, she writes a lot of reviews of horror movies. So she even said like for her own personal, like spook meter, um, it didn't necessarily like ring true as a, as a horror movie. Um, but, I mean, personally, I, as a woman, just feel like anything involving my body, losing control of my body, um, especially at the hands of men, I find very horrific um, in any in any sense. So I think, like, that being, like, the, the framework of this movie is pretty scary to me. Um, and I do want to read one last line from this article where she says um, – the, the, so the movie, despite its weaknesses, has a heartbeat. It is frank about how frightening it is to ask for men's help when your body is on the line. It is clear about the way the patriarchy rubs its warm hands all over women's health, their work, their sense of self, their sexual autonomy, everything. Um, and then she goes on to say like how it didn't really register on her scarometer. But I think like that to me is scary. Like the yeah. way that this movie really encapsulates how this patriarchy and the warm hands is a is a comment or a callback to what she says about uh Pierce Brosnan or the creepy way he lubes up his speculum mm-hmm. earlier in the movie. I find the pervasiveness of the patriarchy terrifying. So I think this movie is a horror movie. <laughs> Well, and I mean, I think that it's a, you know, especially for, um, you know, individuals who can experience pregnancy or have experienced pregnancy, I think that it is a quintessential, like, bodily horror movie. Like, you know, I mean, you're not only losing control of your body, you're losing control of your mind, and then you're at, at the mercy of all these people who, you know quote unquote, know better than you, or they know best, or let, you know, let me tell you what you need to be doing or how to be doing it and, and what you should be feeling. So, I mean, I, I 100% think so. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think I tipped my hand very early on by saying that this movie uh, is very heavily influenced, like Hannah said, to uh, by Rosemary's Baby. And, like, if that isn't a horror movie, I don't know what is. And if you think Rosemary's Baby is a horror movie, then this is. Like, honestly, that's how strongly I feel about it. Like, transitive property, if one is, then the other is. Um, I mean, Hannah talked about that scene uh where Adrian sort of like walks into the darkness and then uh there's just this very tense moment where uh Lucy is just like waiting to see if he'll come back and if he's safe and there's another scene where he's um while she's sleeping he's like on the internet googling and he's doing it in secret and the way it's shot um, is also like he's surrounded by complete and utter blackness. It reminded me a lot of Under the Skin. Mm. Um, and when she sort of like goes into that space where everything is just this like kind of all-encompassing blackness that we don't really see all that often in reality, right? Um, and it's very otherworldly feeling. And that scene had that same feeling to me. And so um, I have not read the review uh, that Hannah's referencing. We will link to it in the show notes, but um, it just feels like uh, I also watch a lot of horror movies. Like I think all of us also watch a lot of horror movies and it just feels like maybe this writer's definition of a horror movie is like, you have to be super terrified and jumping all the time, which I think lots of horror, especially like a lot of horror that I love is like very slow and creepy and unsettling more than it is like lots of jumps and stuff like that. And so um, like I, I personally just don't even see the argument for this to not be called a horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> like that doesn't ring true to me also, at all. So if that just made me think too, and I have to say this and then we'll move on and wrap things up, but I didn't think about this until you were just explaining that, but how smart is it too that in that moment, in both of those moments, there's two things happening. Number one, when you're a woman, it is so terrifying. Um, like darkness in and of itself is just straight up terrifying. Um, even in your own home, even when like you know all the doors are locked, like if you hear a sound in the darkness, it's still this like as if you were out on the street. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, um, also just like when you're a woman, ever like you're never just the fear of any man turning on you at any point. Um, even when it's like your partner that you want to have a baby with, it's like, there's always that little thing in the back of your head. Like they could still turn and, and you know, become like any person, any man on the street that I'd be scared of. Um, I think that all those moments encapsulate that really well. Um, but Mm -hmm. anyway, we got to wrap up, uh, quickly because CC, as we have said, is a mother and she has mother (laughs) things to do. Yes, this is She's true. got hot, hot mother shit to do. I got hot mom shit to do. Um, well, so we'll do our in later news quick. Um, I talked to Cece and Hannah before recording. Uh, as we record this, I am actually in Montgomery, Alabama at a racial justice conference. And I had the absolute privilege to spend most of today at the Equal Justice Initiative Legacy Museum here in Montgomery. Um, and so... As I was leaving the museum and coming back to the hotel to record this episode, I was thinking, like, I had already picked out something for In Lady or News that really didn't have anything particular to do with this movie. Um, but I felt like, you know, after after spending that much time in the museum and having a conversation with my coworker about how 
who's also white, about how one of the most horrifying things is how much of this stuff we, as white folks especially, don't know and aren't taught. Um, I wanted to do something uh, with that in mind for our In Lady or News. So this is two parts. I'm going to be very quick. The first is not news in particular, but like a point of education that felt relevant to this movie. Um, so I wanted to talk very briefly about a man named J. Marion Sims. I don't know if either of you have heard of him. Um, he was a doctor, a very famous uh, OBGYN in the 19th century. He's often called the father of gynecology. Um, and they used to have a statue of him on a pedestal in Central Park in New York that was installed in the 30s right across from the New York Academy of Medicine. And there was a big plaque that was talking about how he was incredibly influential and praising his, quote, billion, uh, brilliant achievements. And the thing he was famous for was uh, creating or finding a treatment for a gynecological ailment that was happening to a lot of women. Uh, what this plaque didn't recognize and what people didn't really like to talk about is that he experimented on women who were enslaved in order to figure out how to do this. Um, th so obviously, like first and foremost, they could not consent because they were not free human beings. Um, also, he did not use anesthesia um, and he oh, became fuck. very, yeah, he became very famous and well known because of the treatments that he learned how to do by experimenting on enslaved women. Um, and so he went on to become very famous and these were very profitable. He would use these techniques to help white women who would be uh, anesthetized and taken very good care of. Um, and so a couple of years ago, they took his statue down, they moved it to the cemetery where he's buried and put up a plaque explaining contextually who he is. Um, so we will link to that article, but that felt very relevant in a movie where we're talking about motherhood and in particular fertility treatments. It's really important to know that so much of American culture yeah. is Ugh. yeah like built on the backs of people of color. Um, and this is no exception. Um, and so that ties into SB eight, which is Texas's, uh, current abortion ban, which was just heard, um, the case was just heard at the Supreme Court on Monday as we record this. So the good news is that there has not been a decision yet, but the conservative justices in particular, Justice Kavanaugh and Justice Amy Coney Barrett, who both declined to block the bill from going into effect back in September, were incredibly critical about it um, during the hearing. So that is heartening. But I just want to, to remind people or tell people who don't know that this law um, is incredibly problematic because it will disproportionately impact black women and black women of, I'm sorry, women of color. Um, black women are way more likely to die during pregnancy and childbirth. Um, and and they're, because of the way that the health system is set up in our country, this law would just like exacerbate problems that already exist for uh, BIPOC folks. And I want to end on this quote, which is, this is how systemic racism works, directly or indirectly, explicitly or not. It results in policies or institutional structures that hurt black and brown people, perpetuating and increasing inequities that began with the import importation of black people to America as slaves in 1619 and persists to this day. 
Um, that quote is from an article from the Commonwealth Fund. I will link to all of this stuff on our uh, in our show notes. But I wanted to make sure that when we have this episode sort of talking about this movie in particular, that we're being mindful of where this science came from. Um, yeah. And with that... Oh, sorry. Um, go ahead, Hannah. Sorry. I was just going to say, too, on that note as well, um, there's a really good episode of the podcast Criminal, uh, episode 165, called Unfit, uh, which... Uh, goes into this country's history of um, uh, what do you call it when it's I know when it's a man they call it castration but what do you call it when they make it um, so- for for sterilization for sterilization this country has a long history of forced sterilization especially of women of color um, and it's still occurring in um, in a lot of the uh, camps of undocumented people Mm -hmm. um and so that's a really good podcast as a uh, beginning resource to learning about that as well yeah well thank you hannah we'll link to that too um cc if people want to find you on the internet uh or somewhere else how can they do that uh sure so i am on twitter at calls in the night and um i also am affiliated with the Grimm magazine, um, I do most of the cover art for it. And sometimes um, when I have time, write articles, but you can find me there as well. Yay. Cece, thank you for joining us. Of course. Um, Hannah, do you want to? And thank you for oh. all the work that you do for Grimm and not listening to that <laughs> dumb doctor. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> thank exactly. you for continuing in your beautiful artistry. Oh, it was, I was so, like, I, I can't even begin to explain how livid I was when that happened. <laughs> just like, that's when you're like, I'm going to get arrested. I'm gonna yeah, get yeah, exactly. <laughs> what about, um, I'd be like, I'm sorry, sir, how long were you in medical school? Why didn't you get pregnant? Fuck right? off. Yes. Exactly. exactly. So, but thank you, Hannah. <laughs> do you want to, do you want to send our fine listeners off with any, uh, any final words this, this week? Um, as always, um, don't uh, go to male doctors for anything unless yes. maybe dentistry. <laughs> maybe. Uh, even maybe. And oh, even I don't know. Uh oh, Sophie muted. She got oh, two Sorry, I was saying, I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do like my dentist. He's really nice and he understands I freak out a lot, so he gives me Xanax to go to the doctor or go to the dentist. Anyway, um, <laughs> always pee after sex. <laughs> Clink! Clink! Scream Pod Squad.